Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Luke chapter 10. And right from verse 1. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places. It's a New Living Translation, by the way. He planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great. I want you to say that. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. Let's pray. Father, move in power. Amen. You may be seated. You guys just look like you want to sit down. I'm going to take it right from there. What's profound to me is that there is a great harvest. Not everybody realizes that. When I'm talking about a harvest, I'm not talking about cannabis. Not sure where that came from. Maybe that was somebody to get somebody's attention. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about a harvest of, of vegetables. I'm not talking about a harvest of wheat. We're talking about, the Lord's talking about, the word here is talking about a harvest of souls, is what he's talking about. And so he's saying there is a massive harvest. The harvest is great. I mean, when the Lord says something that's great, how many of you know that would be the true definition of what great really is? And he says, pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest, Lord of the harvest. Ask him to send. That word there in the Greek is ekbalo. It's a violent word. Uh, it's, It's a word that's also used in the casting out of devils. Ask the Lord who's in charge of the harvest to send more workers into the fields. Now, I think that's fascinating that the harvest is great, but it's dependent upon the workers. And then the release of workers is dependent upon a prayer movement. Let me run that through one more time. The degree that we pray and ask God to move and send workers out is the degree that he will bring them in and send them out. And one of the reasons we're seeing such an increase in uh, the church, church growth, life groups, teams, one of the reasons we're seeing an increase in this house is because We're a house of prayer, and even though we feel weak at times, even though we feel like, my God, we're hardly doing anything, God is hearing and responding. He's the Lord of the harvest. He's in charge of the harvest, and how many of you know you might be here because people prayed? I know I'm here because because people prayed. How many of you know that? So if you want your family saved, you want want to see impact, you, you got to pray. So let's move on. Now go, verse 3, remember I'm sending you out as lamb among wolves. Well, that doesn't sound too good. I don't know if you've ever seen a wolf around a lamb. Just thank God he's the shepherd. Come on, somebody say, that's right. Now go, remember I'm sending you out as lamb among wolves. Don't take money with you. Huh. Nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals. 
and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. How rude. How rude. That's not very Christian-like, or is it? What he's emphasizing here is that there's an urgency. I have, uh, if I've offended you, uh, I'm sorry. I'm offensive at times, and so are you. (laughs) I have had people leave the church because I met them and they were coming and then I saw them at the gym. And when I'm at the gym, I meet no one. I greet no one on the road. I'm just not, I'm not aware. I'm not, it's all about, it's like a war thing for me. So I'm not, some people are just social butterflies and there to talk and hang out and have fun. That's not, not, I, go to, I go to the gym to, for war. I go to win. We have a crucifixion every time I go, and then I get resurrected, and I come home. That's how it is. It's part of my spiritual training. That's one of the ways I keep my flesh down. I've just been doing it for 30 years, and that's how it is. So I've offended people by not greeting them. Why would the Lord say, don't greet anyone on the road? We're supposed to witness to people. You see, he's saying there's an urgency in the assignment is what he's saying. And there are some that would try to greet you, perhaps, to slow you down, to get you off the wall. Nehemiah said, I can't come off the wall, Sanballat. I can't. The work I've been called to do is too important. I can't come off the wall. All right. Verse 5. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. Those who live there are peaceful. The blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. That's, that's intense. And I, I don't know if you've ever gone to someone's house where they just finished having domestic violence. Don't raise your hand. But you can, you can feel domestic violence. You, you, you can feel that thing. I'll never forget years ago being on the island of Molokai and... Um, there was a lot of domestic violence where we lived. And we were in that corner house, Pastor Karen, and we were praying. It was like one of those creepy kind of Molokai nights. And you were born and raised there. Raised, not born there. Born on Oahu? Okay. Raised and I stand corrected. And I remember being in the house and hearing a fight, you know, five houses down. And be like, oh, God, help him. You can hear them like, like it's a fight, you know. And, and then all of a sudden, it was closer. And I realized, man, that's another house that's fighting. And, then, and then, then it's another one. And it's right next to our house. And then the next thing, it's just kind of like, Karen just turns to me. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what happened. <laughs> But the next thing, we just felt all this. <laughs> I just got touched by the Holy Ghost right there. Woo, that's probably the, the Lord's protection coming over me. Well, all of a sudden, I, we sensed that it was, a, it was an anger. It was this, like, something hit our house. 
And you could feel it. You could feel this frequency of anger and violence. And we could feel it on our flesh. I mean, I don't know how to say that or sense it in the spirit. I don't know what the right words are to use there. But clearly, he says to them, go, it's urgent. Don't talk to anybody. Get going. And when you come to someone's house, release the peace of God on the house. Now, some of you don't, might not even know what the peace of God is. The peace of God is one of the most powerful weapons you have. I, uh, his peace leads me, guides me. I don't do anything without his peace. I don't make any decisions without peace. If I don't have his peace, it's game over, time to stop, time to have a prayer meeting. I'm anxious for nothing but by prayer and petition. Come on, when I get anxious or I have concern, it's time to pray and get, come to the other side and get peace, get wisdom. What's going on? What's the matter? What's the matter? I've, I've got certain things stirring in my spirit that are um, uh, not completed right now. So when are they going to get complete? I'm not, I'm not quite sure. i got to get to the other side. And sometimes that's a, that's a pray through the night thing. Sometimes, sometimes it takes longer than that. I'm, I enjoy when it's short. I've, I've said to uh, my staff, I've said to you here, I don't, I don't have, a, I have a, a zero strife policy. And I have rules. I don't have a long list of things that I'm like uh, going to hold on to. I don't sweep things under the carpet. I don't have a carpet to sweep them under. I have a very short list. So in other words, if something's bothering, I bet somebody came to me not long ago and said, are we okay? I said, we're definitely okay. And we'll always be okay. And if we're not, I'll be probably the first one to tell you. Because I'm not letting the sun go down. I straighten it out right away. And if I feel like something's off, I... We talk. That's just how we've learned to do it. So when you come to somebody's house and you feel that there's a lack of peace or something, you can sense that. The same thing when you release the peace of God, the blessing of God, you can feel it just rest. And I don't know, it's a discernment thing. And so he says, release your blessing. And I've gone to release, sorry, Sorry, that's me. Woo, been delivered. Yeah, it was hissing at me. It was like a snake from hell. Why don't you lift your hands all across this place? Man, that was rough. Man, I just feel like the anointing tripled right now. Come on, lift your hands a little bit higher. Oh. Lord, help me to communicate. Help me to communicate with clarity. Set the captives free. In Jesus' name. It's kind of just like that monitor, what it just did to me. Some of you have a constant hiss, the snake of the enemy in your life. Now, I I have a unique set of gifts. 
Some would call them handicaps, but really they're handicapped. Amen. I learn differently. I see differently. It's just the way that I'm wired up. I used to think early on it was really a, a problem. It's not. It's a gift. So things like that with sound and frequency, I, I, I've, gotten, I've gotten more um, uh, sensitive to it as I've gotten older, even though some people think I have some hearing difficulties. You have to tune, please listen, you have to tune your ear to what is the peace and the blessing of God. And when things are contrary to that, you have to find it and kill it. We're not burning it. It's a costly piece of equipment. But I am walking, I got it. I'm walking back here just on principle. Thanks. So there's things that are hissing in your life. You need to silence them. You need to stop them. You need to shut them up and find them. But I'm going to tell you, that thing was bugging me for the entire service. I couldn't find it. It's an illustrated sermon tonight. I couldn't find it. I went back. You, you might have seen we were worshiping. It's time for a pastor to take the thing before you interrupted me. Thank you. You're awesome. Praise God. So I went to the back and I said, man, I hear, a, I hear something that he said, yeah, it's your monitor. But when I went to listen to it, it didn't quite hiss at me again. I don't know if it was a cable or cord, whatever. It's irrelevant. The point is, it was something just piercing through, bothering me in, in my spirit. You say, was that his demonic? I don't know. But to me, it bothered me. And I've learned this. If it bothers you, change it. You know, when the power of the Holy Spirit flows in a service, sometimes people will fall out weeping and laughing. Other times, you, you'll see other kinds of manifestations in the Spirit. Maybe you've never been in a service like that. I'm not sure all that the Lord's going to do in these next 25 to 30 minutes. We're not going to be here till midnight that I know of. I would to God that Jesus himself comes and lays hands on us, and we all end up underneath the pew, and our lives are forever transformed. That's our prayer. That's what we hope. But you have to discern the hiss. You have to discern where there's things in your life that you have to say, you know something, I don't want this anymore. Now, I'm not carrying that speaker out and burning it, but, but if I was to bring the full illustration, I would. There's nothing wrong with the speaker. It's got some connection problem, something. So I'm going to lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Verse 7, don't move around, stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. Come on, someone say amen. amen. When you enter a town, welcome, and it, and it welcomes you. Eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick. Okay, so the healing of the sick, you'll notice there's a connection here between 
the peace and the blessing of God and hospitality and the healing of the sick. Where there's envy and strife, there's every evil thing. I'm found in sometimes I'm found in homes and with people when they're filled with strife and filled with envy and they're filled with uh, with discord. There's no blessing. There, there's no blessing on that. And many times sickness partners with that. So you have to fight against that. Can you say amen? You have to discern it. So the peace of God, the blessing of God. Come on, when, when, uh, when Moses was leading the children of Israel across the Jordan, and they came to that place, and the, the enemy comes, Pharaoh comes, and he's going to wipe them out, and they're all scared. God speaks to Moses and says, tell your people to hold their peace. It's, it's, um, uh, it's written a couple different ways and a couple different um, uh, versions of the Scripture. Some say, tell them to be quiet. Some say, hold your peace. I've won one that says, you know, tell them basically to shut up. But how many of you know you can, you're not talking, some of you aren't talking right now, but inside you're filled with strife. Inside you're filled with, there, there's, there's a constant gnawing. The peace of God, the blessing of God releases the power of God. And the enemy wants to come and bring the opposite of that. And he says, if they'd hold their peace, tell them to hold their peace, which is more than just being quiet. It's, it's, it's getting peace. And if you hold your peace, the enemy that you see today, you will never see again forever, it says. And you know the story. The Red Sea parted and Pharaoh's wiped out and they cross over on dry ground. Look at your text with me. We're in Luke 10. Heal the sick. Tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. But if the town refuses to welcome you, go out into the streets, wipe even the dust of the town with your feet to show them that we have abandoned Pardon me. Abandon your faith. Know this. The kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. That's profound. Because what he's telling them to do, he's telling them to bring the kingdom. And in the kingdom, now some of you aren't going to like this. You know, it's just not a happy-go-lucky message. In the, in the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is death and life. See, today you've, you've come, you've come here to Kings, you're online, you're on 1610 AM. Understand is what's presented tonight as we get a little bit deeper into it now is an opportunity for you to walk in life or an opportunity for you to hold on to what he's trying to set you free from and then choose death. And I've found that many times I've chosen death, but I didn't know I was choosing it. And I understand there's a process. Sometimes we can be very black and white. Like, you know, it's hard to know what you don't know. The problem with deception is you're deceived. Hence the word definition, deception. God wants to bless you. God wants to pour out his spirit on you. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10 and 10, the gospel in one verse. But I have come, Jesus said, that you might have life and life to the full. Life to the what? Life to the full. What the true definition of life is found in the gospel, it's found in the kingdom of God. The king of the kingdom is here. 
and he comes to take up residence on the inside of your heart if you repent and receive him. And if you haven't done that, we're going to give you an opportunity to do it in just a moment. But then what has to happen is you have to allow the kingdom to move through your whole life. That's the process of what, what Scripture calls sanctification. There's the altar of justification, which is you give your life to Jesus, you're justified just as if you never sinned is one way to look at that. All of your sin is atoned for, but then you have to work, allow for the kingdom of God, though it be like a mustard seed on the inside of you, to grow and expand and push out wrong thinking, wrong thinking that's contrary to God's word. And you come to understand what pleases God. Every single born-again believer wants to please God and defeat the devil. That's what every, it's just in you like that. that that's the way it is. And God has not given us an ambiguous blend of maybe. He's given us his word that is yes and amen. And you need to take hold of that thing and move forward in your life, banishing darkness, banishing ideas, banishing thoughts and everything that's raised up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive and making it obedient. Some of you don't understand that. You think you came to church and so you should get an award because you came to church. You're in a war. You're in a war and the, and the the world is in a war and he's looking for laborers, looking for people who walk in power, walk in authority, not some blended mixture of, of sin and, and righteousness that you can't tell what's what. Listen, he's not winking at you getting high and getting drunk anymore. He doesn't wink at it. It's over. You need to get over it. You need to stop it. He's not winking at it. your adultery that you're doing online. And you're sexting that you're doing with that, that married woman, that married man. He's not winking at that. Bump your neighbor and say, oh, he's not talking to me. I, 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 that's intense. In Mark chapter 3 and verse 14, he said that, they might be, that he might be with them, or they might be with him, pardon me, and then he might send them out to preach. One of the reasons that God saves you, please listen, is not just so he can write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. It doesn't just save you so you can catch a bigger wave or a bigger fish or, or have a bigger thrill. He saves you for the purpose of being his expression of the kingdom of God on the earth. Otherwise, if the goal was just salvation, they have way better waves in heaven. They've got way better fish in heaven. Come on, somebody say amen. At his right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. So if it was just about getting saved, then you would drop dead. The moment you prayed the sinner's prayer, you'd be like, boom, <laughs> straight to heaven. But that's not the way it is. You've heard me say it before. He saved you for a purpose. And what you're going through, you have to focus on why he called you. Why, what are you in the earth for? What, what on earth are you doing here? When you look earlier in Luke chapter 9, and you can turn back there. Luke 9 and verse 7. Look with me, please. I'm setting a foundation. We're going we're gonna to get it. Come on, somebody say, Woo! When Herod Antipas, ruler of Galilee, heard about everything Jesus was doing, he was puzzled. Some of them were saying that John the Baptist had been risen from the dead. Others taught, thought Jesus was Elijah, or one of the other prophets risen from the dead. What had happened, if you look in, in Luke 9, in those earlier verses, Jesus sends out the twelve. 
and he gave them power. Look at verse 1. He gave them power and authority to cast out demons, all demons. I like that version. All, how many demons? All demons. He gave them power to cast out all demons and heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. It's similar to what he's saying in Luke 10, but in Luke 9, he just sends out the 12. So he sends, him out the, sends out the 12, and he says, go, heal the sick, set the captives free, cast out devils. And the effect, come on, look at this with me. The effect of this was so profound. Wherever you go, stay in that house until you leave the house. And if a town refuses to welcome you, here he is. He's saying it again within two chapters. Shake the dust off from your feet. It's almost the exact same thing. Except in Luke 9, there's 12 people. And then in Luke 10, if you do the math, it's two teams of 36. And all the mathematicians said two times 36 is 70. Two. But like I told you, I'm special. But it correlates, it correlates all the way back to the 70 elders. Who, how many of you know that text? It's in Numbers. Uh, Moses talks with Jethro. They call it the Jethro principle. Don't laugh too hard over here. It's the Holy Ghost, isn't it? Amen. Lord, touch her. Amen. The Jethro principle. Take leaders from the tribes. And the spirit that's upon you, Moses, I'll put upon them and they will help you. He, he starts life group leaders and teams. Why? Because one man, the, to the degree that you release workers, Pastor Gill, the degree that you get a harvest. To the degree that we release workers is the degree that God will give us increase. If you don't release, you don't multiply, then you're not going to get the increase. That's how that is. That's how it is with business. You guys are business owners. If you were this, if it was you cleaning everything, you got a cleaning company, <laughs> you wouldn't be sitting here in your cute little shirt. I'm sure of that. <laughs> but you have a team of people. You have multiplied yourself, and it takes training, right? Same in ministry, same in business. That's how it is in the kingdom. And God wants to cause us to multiply. Can you say amen? amen. So in the, in the Old Testament. The spirit that's on Moses is put on the 70, but how many of you know that text of Scripture? If you look, there's two that prophesy also, and they tell Moses, hey, there's two guys over here prophesying. They were supposed to be at the leadership thing, but they didn't get the email or the text, kind of like some of you, even though you got the email. Let's have a praise break. That was great. So there's 12, and then there's 72, and it does correlate, I believe, to the Old Testament release of God's power on the 72 that Moses laid his hands on. There is a great release of power that is upon us as his people. The release of laborers and the multiplication of workers is a result of prayer. There's tremendous urgency. There's so many people that are broken. We have a ministry called Transformations. It's on Tuesday night. It's growing. And it's not going to stop growing. 
It's going to continue to grow. There's uh, just shy of about 100 people that come on a Tuesday. It's going to go to 200. It's going to go to 300. It'll be every big as big as this service. Why? Because it's unique in that uh, it helps people who are struggling with life-controlling problems or people who have a burden to help people with life-controlling problems. The truth is every single spirit-filled, born-again believer should have a burden to help people. And if you don't, there's something wrong. Jesus empowers him. He gives us in, this instruction, you know, demonstrate my power, but peace is a key to releasing the power of God. And this dividing line, if they receive you, there's blessing. If they don't, there's cursing. It's really what he says. That's really what Jesus is saying. So what I don't believe that. Well, read your Bible. We spoke about last week, and I want you to go there if you would, please. We spoke last week out of Acts 19, and it's the elements of revival. So they, they begin to have a revival there. Jesus sends them out, and the power of their ministry got into the White House. Okay, it's not the White House. It's Herod. Got it into the political halls. The power of God was so strong that they heard about what was taking place. Herod, the Tetrarch, heard about it and was like, oh, man, I wonder if this is John the Baptist. I wonder... Whoa, what's going on? Would that not be something? Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like, like lightning. Some say that's a reference to Isaiah, a reference to Ezekiel and the fall of Lucifer. But I think it is more of a reference to the demonic powers over a region are diminished. And in fact, the strong man, if I could say it this way, the strong man over the region fell because the church laid hands on the sick, cast out devils, and, and, and it set the captives free. That is really what has to happen in our community. Is You say, well, you better get going, Pastor John. I am going with everything I got. The question is, or, or the, the, the problem is, should I say, there are many that are a part of the church that don't have any go. And I know we can get burdened by our own difficulties and challenges. And I, I've seen the enemy throw problems at, at people so much so that they can't see the forest from the trees. And all they can do is try to fix their own problems because God forbid you get up and over your problem, you begin to set other people free. I'm going to tell you one of the keys of walking in victory is an offensive Christianity. Offensive Christianity is this. We've heard of an offensive driver Somebody said, it's best to be a defensive driver. Not according to me. Then again, I learned to drive in Manhattan when I had a license. I learned to drive without a license by my brother Chris, who's on the front row. Illegally. Really, you got you to be both offensive and defensive. And in Christianity, I'm going to tell you what. If the enemy ever hits your house and he's hitting, trying to hit everybody's house, why don't you think about it a little bit differently and hit his? Hit his. I was going to write a book years ago on offensive Christianity because there were so many people that were hiding and praying in tongues and hide and just, oh, God, it's just this, this war. Listen, pray, pray through, get out and start throwing oil, lay hands on everything that moves, declare the kingdom of God is at hand. And if you have stuff in your life that's hissing, kill it. <laughs> I 
The elements of revival in Acts 19 are exactly what's happening here. This is exactly how our church is growing. I, you know, we've got many pastors that watch this later or might be on right now. This is how to break through a region. How you break through a region is not a cute, pablum-type Christianity with a little bit of leadership teaching. It's equipping God's people to walk in power and to break the power of the enemy off of them and then to equip them and release them to break the power of the enemy off of others. That is what brings a satisfied life. Not a half-hearted, lame-duck Christianity. You missed a great place to say amen. And so in Acts 19, we looked at this. God did extraordinary miracles, verse 11 few minutes more, through Paul. So they didn't even handkerchiefs and aprons who had touched him were taken to the sick. It's a picture of the transference of anointing. And the anointing is transferable. I read in Scripture in my reading, my Bible reading this week, that, uh, or last week, they all kind of blend, but Joshua was filled with wisdom because Moses laid his hands on him. So in other words, Joshua had wisdom had something from God because Moses, his pastor, laid his hands on him. And yet, in Hebrews, the laying on of hands is called an elementary teaching. And at the same time, in modern Christianity, I mean, the enemy would love for us just to be isolated and shut down and don't touch anything and get, get, wash your hands and sanitize yourself. And for God's sake, don't touch anybody. Of course he would want that to happen. No, God has called us to lay hands on the sick. And so the anointing is transferred. Some Jews who went about driving evil spirits, they're they're the seven sons of Sceva, and I'll just say this. They were doing it over and over. One day, in other words, they're they're casting out devils, they're doing the deal, but one day the situation changed. One day, this particular devil talks back to them, and they say, hey, Jesus we know. A Paul we've heard about. And who in hell are you? Don't look at me like I just cursed. They come from hell. Apparently hell is talking about Jesus. Right? If de- How many of you know where demons come from? Hell. Okay, let's just say it's simply that way. Fallen angels, most theologians. Theologians? Theologians. theologians. 72. Amen. I think I need a juice. Either that or I'm starting to get drunk in the Holy Ghost. What was I saying? Right, sons of Sceva. Who are you? So hell, and I, I don't know if they have a huddle in hell where the demons come together. Oh, it's Jesus, we're in trouble, you know. Jesus. Uh, Bruce, he took the keys. Don't let anybody know they took the keys. Don't tell anybody, but he took the keys. We're in trouble. Yeah, you're in trouble. He says, you guys hear about this Paul? Oh, yeah, I heard about him. He's crazy, that guy. He cast out devil. Oh, my. So the seven sons of Sceva come in to do God's stuff, but they don't have Jesus as, as their Lord and Savior, and they use their lucky rabbit's foot. They hold out their little golden cross, if I could say it that way, without a, without a real identity, without a real relationship with the Savior, and they try to cast out the devil, and the devil says, Jesus we know, Paul we have heard about. So I said, who in hell are you? In other words, you're supposed to be known in hell. And 
really, feared in hell should be a better way to say that. Known in heaven, feared in hell. Paul was feared in hell. And so these guys, we don't even know who you are. And they jumped out and they beat him. Wow. A friend of the ministry, Cindy Jacobs, who's um, been ministering to us since we got saved, Pastor Karen and I, and, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have her up here as God leads and allows. I remember a story she told about her daughter who wasn't living right. And um, I'm sure she wouldn't mind me telling it because she told it herself in a service, so I'm just going to borrow it. Her daughter wasn't living right, and she shacked up with her boyfriend, and they came over, I don't know the exact story, but they came over and the boyfriend is manifesting a devil. Mike and Cindy Jacobs are there. They're, they're dealing with this devil. And the devil, in another voice, out of this man, points to the daughter who's his girlfriend. Raise your hand if you're following me. And says, you did this and that and this and that and this and that. And starts pointing at her sins. She had enough scripture and, and knew the word enough to realize it's totally right. She's like, that's right. Lord, forgive me. I'm so sorry. I plead the blood. I come back to you right now. I give my life to you, Jesus. Thank you so much. Devil, I command. She just lays hands on her boyfriend. They break the devil off. She understood the blood is big enough. Come on, don't you have to go to like 50 services before you get free? You can get free by the power of God even tonight. All you have to do is confess. All you have to do is let it go. All you got to do is come home to Jesus, walk in authority. The world is looking for a church that's on fire. The church has got to be set on fire. The bride of Christ has got to be awakened from the slumber that the devil has put her in. God is calling on you. He's calling on me to set the captives free. And you can't do that with a hiss. You got to kill it. You got to get rid of it. Can you say amen? amen? It's emphasis of the Holy Spirit. And back in the text, Minister Micah, please. He beat them in verse 16. Such a beating they got. Verse 17, when this became known to the Greeks and the Jews living in Ephesus, they all were seized with fear. You see, they didn't have the fear of the Lord. That's why these believers then, then say, it then says, and many of those who believe now came openly confessed what they had done. And a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. And they calculated the value of the scrolls. It came to 50,000 drachmas by one account. That's $4 million. Verse 20, it says, in this way, in this way, the word of the Lord spread. How do you think America's gonna come under an outpouring? I'm gonna tell you something. It's not gonna come any other way but a violent clashing of darkness and light. And I'll tell you that Jesus has already won but he's looking for somebody who would walk in power, walk in authority. In your own homes, you might have things that, that you need to get rid of. I, I, I searched my heart when I was, over this past few days, as we, we talked about Sunday night, we preached from this message, and it's powerful. We said tonight we'd have a burn barrel, and, and we have one outside, and Pastor Kirsten 
is out there tending that. But you don't have to have it at church. You, you, can, you can burn stuff at home. So what, is that, what does that mean? If you have something that, that you know you need to get rid of, then you come, you come before the Lord and you break the influence of that thing in your life. You repent for whatever role you had in having it. You break ties with who gave it to you or whatever associations are there. You renounce it. Listen, some of you still got a Ouija board from the 1970-something. It's in your attic. Get rid of it. Some of you have journals. It was a word from the Lord. Some of you have journals that you wrote, and there's all kinds of stuff in there, and you need to burn it. You need to get rid of it. How come? Because you know that it reminds you of the pain of the date rape, maybe. The thing that happened that you need to sever yourself from and get free and healed. Some of you have jewelry. Now, I'll just tell you, jewelry, here's what you can do. Take the jewelry, and you can drop it in the offering, and we'll take care of it. Or you can bring it to the pawn shop. Get some cash for that thing. Tithe on it. And go buy something for your wife or your husband. I don't know. You can do a lot of different creative things to redeem things. Other things can't be redeemed. And I've spoken about that. It is in this way that the word of the Lord will spread. Listen, I love John Maxwell. He's one of the favorite leadership teachers there is. I believe in great leadership, but I will tell you what, great, what makes great leaders is flowing in the kingdom power. You can have all the principles. You can have the the A through Z of leadership, and have no anointing. I was, I was in the back, standing with our anointed sound man. And I said, oh God, I need your help. And he laughed, and I laughed. I'm like, huh? I said, you know, you, you, can, only, you can only go so far with a gift. It's not a gift that sets a captive free. It's the anointing. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.